Good morning, everyone. This is Father Nate, missionary priest in Italy, and thanks for joining us today, December 17th, on No Greater Delight, our podcast on Marian feasts and Marian meditations. Well, today we have four separate celebrations that take us all around the globe, quite, quite literally, right? So first, we'll head to France with Our Lady of Amiens, or Our Lady of Amiens in English. It is a Marian shrine, this cathedral. It's so beautiful that one poet said, it is not possible to add anything to it or to take anything away from it. Very well said. The original church was built in the 3rd century by St. Fermin, the Bishop of Amiens, who received the crown of martyrdom during Diocletian's persecution. Uh, Speaking of uh, people who were martyred, it's also said that there's a part of the head of St. John the Baptist there, uh, which part I I don't know, um, but a part of it, that was, again, supposedly brought by a traveler named Gallo or Wallen, right, depending on which legend, uh, when he returned from Constantinople in 1205. How one would go about getting a part of John the Baptist's head, I don't know, but that is the word on the street, right? Probably the street that Gallo took to get there. The original or old cathedral was destroyed by a fire in 1218. It started with lightning, right? But uh, the church, the new church they wanted to build, was so big that they had to destroy a nearby church dedicated to St. Fermin, right? That first bishop, right? Uh, Sometimes it's called uh, the Gothic Parthenon because, uh, well, the majority of the work was built, uh, completed in 1288, but it's a huge church, right? Even bigger than Notre Dame in Paris, right? Um, And as as people point out, it can probably hold around 10,000 people, probably far more people than the entire population of the town during the Middle Ages, right? Um, It's also worth noting that the cathedral was intentionally targeted for destruction during the Second World War, and yet the bombs always missed the cathedral, a seeming miracle. Well, from France, we'll jump down to southern Transdanubia in Hungary with, uh, my apologies to all the Hungarians out there, Andoxi Shujus Maria and Andox Smogi. Okay, so what's the story of uh, our lovely lady of Andoxi Shujus Maria? Well, uh, the story goes that before the Turkish invasion of 1526, angels saved the statue of Our Lady and Child in the church in Andox, right? Which is now southwestern Hungary, right? Um, in any case, by the middle of the century, like so mid-1500s, most of that region was under the Ottomans, and so the Catholics then either fled or become Protestant. It was about 100 years later, in the 1640s, that the Jesuits were sent to re-evangelize the area, and it was in an abandoned church that one of the priests found Our Lady's statue. By 1700, the village had already become a place of pilgrimage, and in 1721, the Franciscans built a friary beside the church. It was on December 17th, today, in 1747, that the bishop consecrated the new church of St. Mary, right? It was then that the Countess Cataline, with an unpronounceable last name, donated a magnificent robe for the statue, and hence, there is a tradition that continues to this day of dressing the statue on the second Friday of every month, right? Now, in sort of a sad story, we jump over to Madonna del Terremoto in Paterno, Potenza, Basilicata, Italy, Our Lady of the Earthquake. This statue wept blood in 1857. And why might that be? Well, it was at precisely 12, 19, 12, uh, 9, 12, sorry, not 12, 19, 9, 12 at night, 
on December 16, 1857, that an earthquake struck the town of Basilicata and the, the neighboring regions. In the Agri Valley, it was really catastrophic, right? The inhabitants of Paterno, the day after the earthquake, so that would be December 17th, decided to carry the statue of Our Lady in procession. That was the Lady of our Mount Carmel, right? So legend has it that as soon as the procession reached the vicinity, vicinity of today's Pantano district, Our Lady, who was facing the destroyed houses and wagons full of corpses, turned her face and began to cry tears of blood. The miraculous event is commemorated every year on December 17th. Lastly, lastly, we have a very interesting feast, Our Lady of the Rockies, which is a 90-foot statue of Mary that sits atop the Continental Divide, overlooking Butte, Montana, in the United States. They tell us that it is the fourth largest statue, fourth tallest statue in the United States, and the base is 8,510 feet above sea level, right? It sits on private land, so the government can't uh, do anything about that, right? Um... So the statue was first thought up by Bill o Bob O'Bill in 1979. His wife was seriously sick with cancer, and he decided he would build a statue of Our Lady of Guadalupe if his wife survived, and she did. And so um, he began the project and eventually built a 90-foot mountaintop statue, constructed largely using donations of money, materials, and laborers from the local community. Work began in, on December 29, 1979, the base of the statue was poured in September of 1985 with 400 tons of concrete, and it was today, December 17th in 1985, that a CH-54 Tare from the Army National Guard's 137th Aviation Division airlifted the statue in four sections to its present location. What a beautiful celebration, Our Lady overlooking the Continental Divide and overlooking the Americas. Again, today we're continuing with St. Idelfonsus of Toledo's meditations on the Blessed Virgin Mary, his, his praise, the crown of the Virgin. And today, he wants to crown her, or to gift her in her crown, the sun. As he says, the most brilliant and powerful of all heavenly bodies, illuminating the entire crown. Now, this is, this is interesting. You might wonder, well, you know, where exactly did, um, did this come from, Right. Why would you say clothed with the sun? Well, actually, there's a biblical reference to it. This is the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verses 1 and 5. Um, we read there, this is what St. John says. He says, And a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She brought forth a male child, one who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. So again, Revelation 12, verses 1 and 5, right? So again, who is this woman? Well, again, the church fathers and, you know, church authors, theologians have seen her as the Blessed Virgin Mary. Some say the chosen people Israel. Some people say the church at large. You don't necessarily have to pick one or the other, but we can certainly say that, yeah, there is a reference to Mary in that, right? She's clothed the sun, moon under her feet, crown of twelve stars, bringing forth a male child who's going to rule all the nations. Yeah. Or even especially we can think of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Our Lady of Guadalupe, right? She literally has the moon under her feet. She has the sun behind her. And then according to tradition, she also had a crown because the image has actually been cut. Yeah, at some point they wanted to cut that. Um, why would you would cut a miraculous tilma? I don't know, but they did. Um, so there you have it, right? So when 
God himself had Mary appear at Guadalupe. That's the image he chose, like Mary standing on the moon, clothed with the sun, with a crown. And this is what St. Ildefonsus says. He says, um, And so I venture to offer you the sun itself, the most radiant and potent, most powerful, of the celestial bodies, to be positioned in your noble crown. Thence it may be it freely shed its luster upon you, bathing you in incomparable light. And then he makes this beautiful, beautiful comparison. He goes back and forth, right? He says, For the sun possesses the highest position in the celestial sphere, and its greatest sureness, and the greatest sureness is in its daily motion across the sky. It brings forth it brings forth the greatest fertility in its effect upon the earth, while bestowing the gift of light more brilliantly than any other star. Similarly, you, O mistress, are raised up most high of all by virtue of your sanctity and singular purity. Your immaculate heart is raised up to the utmost rank in the seraphic courts, closest to the inaccessible light of the unseen Father. With the gentle eyes of a dove, you lovingly contemplate his luminous divinity. With the fearless and penetrating eyes of an eagle, you boldly perceive the depths of his majesty. And your every action proceeds with the greatest sureness with unfailing certainty and assurance, born of true piety. Like the sun, you traverse the earthly globe, attending, attentively beholding the needs of the poor, the anxious sighs of the youth, the pains of the elderly, the lamentations of widows, the sufferings of the sick, and prayers poured forth to you and your holy son from faithful hearts everywhere. As the gracious protectress of the entire race, you help the afflicted, the sorrowful, and those who have lost hope. And you do this by the divine grace of your mercy and by the powerful intercession with your noble Son, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And like the warming sun, which causes the earth to flourish with springtide verdancy, so you make souls once barren to become fruitful. For who is able to moisten the dry heart like you? Or who is able to warm the mind frozen with despair and cynicism? All the good things which God has bestowed upon you, he has decreed to bestow through your intercession, sorry, all good things which God's supreme majesty has decreed to bestow upon us, he has decreed to bestow through your intercession and agency. He has committed to your maternal hands the entire treasuries of his golden wisdom, the precious gemstones of his virtues, and the glowing ornaments of his graces. Through you, Radiant as the sun, as gentle as the dawn, the fruits of blessing spring forth from their divine source. Utterly radiant and splendid you stand, clothed in light as with a vestment, and crowned with twelve glowing stars. As the refulgent, the shining sun dawns with golden radiance, so you adorn and illuminate the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of paradise. And therefore the ranks of the angels are struck with wonder, and the legions of seraphim stand awestruck before you, O Mary. For you are indeed the perfection of sanctity, the complete fullness of grace, and the luminous fire of God's ardent love. We can close with Elephonsus' prayer. He says, O Lady of Grace, since such marvels are told of you, pour forth, I beseech you, your love into my heart. Show unto me the angelic beauty of your countenance, splendid as the noontime sun. Grant that at the hour of my death, I may surrender my spirit, joyful in your radiance, and secure in the hope of unfading glory. Amen.